In this special edition of the Best of the Commodity Classic, we visit with yield winners, growers, agronomists, and other specialists from across the nation at the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. These individuals will join us in our booth at the Commodity Classic and talk about their experiences as it relates to growing yield for 2023. Stay tuned for this special edition of FieldLink. And welcome back to FieldLink. Um, at this time, we're going to invite Spencer Sanderson in uh, to the studio here in Orlando at the Commodity Classic. Uh, Spencer is the NCGA corn winner from the state of Alabama, from Madison, Alabama. Uh, Spencer, thanks for joining us here on FieldLink. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, great. Uh, just uh, really excited to have you here today joining us uh, here in the Helena booth uh, at the Commodity Classic. This is your first time to Orlando. It's the first ever time been the show because every other year I've either had a very important classes or I've been playing baseball games. So I, this is my first chance I've been able to come. Awesome. And you're currently a student at Mississippi State University. Yes, I am. I'm a freshman. This is my second semester there and I'm majoring in ag business and agronomy. So I'm doing a lot of economics and I'm taking a plant and soil sciences class with a lab component now. So Right, it's, it's probably going to turn into a double major. My main focus is the economics and business side. Excellent. And, and tell us a little bit about the big award that you won. Why are you here today? So I won first place in the state of Alabama for the no-till irrigated category. It was with the AgriGold Hybrid A64352. I got 323 bushels per acre off that plot, and I ranked nationally in that category third place as well. And I also set the all-time state record for that category. So I'm here with uh, three very good awards that I'm just very honored to have. You know, that's really exciting. Tell us a little bit about how did you, how did you achieve that kind of yield? What did you do different? So what, what's interesting about our process, a lot of people think, well, you know, corn, it always, it always starts with planting. You start planting in the spring, March, around that, and you harvest. What we do... After we harvest our corn, we already start preparing for next year's crop. We look at the residue that's left behind. We take samples directly behind harvest right before we start preparing the field to plant wheat. And we have a heated, insulated shop that's got a lot of space in it. Our planter, it is one of our most prized possessions on that farm. We look at every single bolt, every brush, row cleaner, motor, hose on there. We are constantly making improvements, fixing it. And the biggest component of how we achieve these yields is that we treat almost every individual stalk as its own, constantly micromanaging. We take tissue samples, I think it's either weekly or bi-weekly, we get tissue samples from our wow. corn crop. Uh, we try to get ahead of any deficiencies this year. We had no, I don't think we had any sulfur or boron deficiencies because we got out ahead of it to make sure that we could go ahead and stop any problems that were gonna come our way with that. So uh, tell us a little bit about the harvesting process. Um, you know, certainly put a lot of energy on the front end. Yes. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. So I have a really key component in the harvesting process. I'm, I'm the manager of our commercial grain elevator. We hold, we got a 150,000 bushel bin. We have four 60,000 bushel bins and then a 20,000 bushel wet bin that we use to cycle our dryer. So I believe we hold almost 400,000 bushels of grain. So what we do, we're lucky enough since we have that system, we don't have to take everything directly to the facility across the river, so it saves a lot of time. But we bring it to our facility. If the corn has a, a too high of a moisture, we put it in that 20,000 bushel bin, and we have a GSI grain dryer that we can run all day, all night, 
throughout the entire week to keep cycling through that corn and we'll store it in our bins. And my dad, he's on more of the, the business side of it. We have, a lot of our grain is contracted. Okay. So we'll be contracted with, we do business with Tyson, we do business with Nestle, uh, Meow Mix, I know we do with them. So we're, we hold it and fulfill our contracts that way. So I'm, my, the biggest part I play on the farm is with the collection process and managing that facility. Oh, I've been doing awesome. that since, I was taught how to do it when I was 12, so I've been doing it now for seven years. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit, let's shift gears, you know, uh, you're here at the NCGA contest. Uh, hey, uh, you're going to be walking across stage tonight to get your award, correct? Yes, I am at that, that banquet. I'll be collecting that award. That's awesome, and that's uh, quite a facility. Hey, first time here at the Commodity Classic, what's your thoughts? It's... It is, it is a playground for adults in here. Uh, all, the, all the machines around here, all the booths, everybody here has been so friendly. There's a lot to do. Um, I think we only made it really halfway across the entire place yesterday because I'd talked to so many people. I'd been speaking, just making connections. And even though I'm only a freshman in college, I'm not exactly at the right time to start diving into internships, but I want to go ahead and just make as many connections as possible whether that be through my actual work on the farm or the, the media that I put out relating to the farm. But this, it's been a fantastic experience so far, and I definitely hope to be back next year. That's awesome. Well, uh, joining us again uh, today from Orlando at the Helena booth is Spencer Anderson, NCGA winner this year. Uh, again, what was the yield on that? It was 323 bushels per acre, and the category was no-till irrigated. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your award, and congratulations, uh, student at uh, Mississippi State University. And uh, we had the luxury of meeting up uh, at uh, the... NAMA conference yes, uh, recently did. at uh, the Gin Show in Memphis. Yes, we did. Awesome. Well, good luck at the uh, upcoming NAMA conf conference there uh, coming up in St. Louis this spring as well. So, uh, Spencer, thanks for joining us, and uh, be best of luck for 2023. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You bet. And joining us uh, in the Fieldlink Podcast booth here in Orlando at the Commodity Classic uh, is Corbin Abril. Uh, he's branch manager in, uh, in Indiana. Uh, where's home, Corbin? That, that's correct, yeah. So uh, we're located there in Montgomery, Indiana. It's where a uh, location we work out of. Awesome. And, and also Brad, uh, Brad Trailer, uh, also in Montgomery. Uh, guys, tell us a little bit about your role there. Yeah, so my role here is Corbin as a branch manager. You know, my job is responsibility for overseeing the location, day-to-day um, -day operations as well as um, the sales team is too. So I'm responsible for just making sure that we're managing our um, resources accordingly and making sure we're getting uh, the growers the best service we can. Awesome. How about you, Brad? Yeah, Bill, I'm involved in uh, day-to-day stuff with the growers um, in charge of sales and um, been doing it here for seven years with Helena in wow. Montgomery. So awesome! You guys definitely have a great branch, a great group of growers there, and you brought a few growers mm -hmm. down here to the Commodity Classic. Correct. Yeah. yeah, tell us a little bit about some of the things you all experienced here in the last couple of days. Yeah, so the big thing is we've actually been able to work with our partners as well. So uh, other companies and you know, bringing them down and um, getting them exposure to not only us but the BSF and other groups that are having some events here. We're looking forward to our event tonight, um, getting, sure. them to, getting them more exposed to Helena and the culture because they see it from our branch. But I think the big thing is seeing it on a national level and seeing how everybody's got the growers' best interest in mind that works here and stuff. And they really like that service they get. Um, by coming down here. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, a lot of times, and it's great, we have that real local feel at yeah. a lot of our locations, and, and that's what we're about, that family mm -hmm. feel. But when we bring growers to these kinds of events, it's like, wow, I didn't know y'all had locations in Florida, locations in Idaho, yeah. and so forth. And yeah. you just kind of see a little bigger picture. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah bigger picture. Third, third time I've been down here myself, Bill, and, um, you know, you get to see, start seeing some of the same people down here, and you start, you start uh, build a... Uh, 
oh, I don't know, a friendship base or however you look at it, sure. where these growers that we come and we bring down here, you know, uh, two and three years, you know, where they see some of the same people. Um, they want to hear how things are going on with them and what they're doing and how they're changing and what they're doing different on their place. I don't know how you guys feel, but just, you know, working the booth here and talking to a lot of the growers, these are growers that are pretty serious about growing yield. Uh, they're, they're, they're here not yeah. for... I like to say the the, the handouts. Yeah, so yeah they're not yeah. gathering the gadgets. I guess I should <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, they're they're wanting to uh, take something home with them. Right. Is the best way to put it. I think is uh, is uh, to, if they can take one thing home, change their farm, or or maybe uh, focus in a different direction for the next two or three years. You know, um, that's what I think a lot of my growers that are bringing down here are trying to strive for. And, and that's the big thing we focus on is location. Let's try to make sure that we get the decision makers of the farm to this show. Don't just necessarily get the guys that don't have much influence. You want the people that oh, are actually yeah. going to be able to change that course of action. So it did kind of spin your wheels if you don't bring the right people down to the show. Uh, definitely, yeah. as we kind of look around here, there's growers are really in it to win it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, so. and it's good to see those kind of producers here at the Commodity Classic. Guys, tell us a little bit back home in Montgomery, uh, Indiana. Um, What's happening right now? It's still got snow on the ground, or well, is things starting to change uh, a little bit? The report I had was uh, 29 and cold this morning, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and when we left there, it wasn't near that yeah, bad. Yeah, but, it's 34, um, I think. You know, I think next week we've got a good outlook uh, for weather for next week, and uh, a lot of deliveries will be hitting the farm next week. So pretty excited about that, pretty excited about getting through March and uh, getting things rolling yeah. on my end. No, I think we're right. So we're, we're getting everything ready to roll. I mean, it's kind of that calm before the storm, we like to call it, right? Because we know here in the next two weeks, as soon as we get that break in the weather, it's going to be go time. Some yeah. guys actually had a chance last week to pull a bit of anhydrous on, you know, some pre-planted anhydrous and some of our sandier soils. But uh, we know that's usually when one guy starts, the neighbors see it, and they'll, they'll start all rolling here pretty soon. You bet. Yeah. So, guys, uh, obviously through the wintertime, you've had a lot of grower meetings. I know a lot of farm farm calls. Yep. Broadly speaking, what are some of the things that are top of mind with a lot of your producers today? Um, I guess on the sell side, a uh, big thing is just uh, controlling input cost. And, uh, and the big thing that came through this winter was how nitrogen started a little bit higher than anticipated and then um, gradually has come down. So um, I think cost on my end is a, is a big thing. And, uh, you know, the markets, they're not reflecting. I mean, they're not, they're not bad, but they're not, they're not finding the direction we want them to go right now. So... Hopefully some, you know, some change here soon in the marketplace the next month or so is what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like from us, you know, too, as location, we hear a lot from our customers. They think they really like working with us in the Mac that we do grower meetings and stuff because I feel like we're always giving them something new to think about, not something that they don't feel like they get from their necessarily their co-op suppliers or their other competitors in the marketplace today. So I think that's helped us retain and then grow our business because they tell their friends, hey, I'm going to this hell in a meeting. You know, it's, this is what I learned last time. And so I think by hitting these guys multiple times throughout the winter, it gives them more reassurance of why they're doing business with us. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it really, you know, kind of living out the brand, people, products, and knowledge. And you guys are certainly providing that in Montgomery yeah. uh, with the, the knowledge you provide your growers and, of course, all of the service right. and some of the products. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. guys, I want to thank you all for uh, joining us here today on Fieldlink and coming to Orlando with your customers uh, to, to grow your knowledge and uh, expand theirs as well. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. And we're back here at Fieldlink here in Orlando at the Commodity Classic. I've got Dustin MacArthur from Tennessee. Dustin uh, is an agri-intelligence specialist. specialist. And, and also joining us is Aaron Siebenek, who's also an agri-intelligence specialist, specialist yep. uh, in Ohio. So, uh, guys, uh, before we deep dive into what you're experiencing here at the Commodity Classic, Dustin, tell us a little bit about home, uh, where'd you grow up, and, and tell us about what you do today. 
uh, back in Tennessee? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, West Tennessee in a town called Jackson. Uh, you know, growing up there, went to school at UT Martin. Uh, ended up finishing up my degree there in ag business uh, with a small minor in agronomy. Uh, had the pleasure to go to work for uh, Humboldt, Tennessee location straight out of college. Uh, so I've been with Helena now for 12 years. Uh, so I've been able to kind of work at different locations throughout West Tennessee. Uh, had the chance to work at Humboldt and Alamo and the Mason stores and had the opportunity to move into the Agri-Intelligence Specialist role about 2017. Awesome, excellent. And, and, and Aaron joining us from Ohio. Uh, yeah, so Aaron Siebenek here um, from a small town of Kaleido, Ohio. Um, in the northwest part of the state there, so it's very agriculturally driven area there. Uh, graduated from Ohio State University uh, with an ag systems management major and actually interned for Helena for two years at the Continental Ohio location and then worked there for another about five. Um, been with Helena for a total of be nine years in May, so and then in July of 20 I took this role as an agri-intelligence specialist helping growers all over what a lot of them would call the Great Lakes area or the tri-state area um, up there, Ohio, Michigan, and then the north half of Indiana as well. Wow, excellent. So guys, uh, Dustin, we've got a pretty cool thing going on here in Florida. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about uh, what we're highlighting here from an agri-intelligence standpoint. Yeah, so what we're really highlighting here is uh, really our opportunities that we get from the dual EM, you know, and, and kind of how we are utilizing the efficiencies of the dual EM to help us in collecting our, our data for looking at soil texture values and variabilities throughout the field. And really what we can do from a soil sample aspect and then correlating in the yield data on top of that to really help farmers with their decision making in terms of fertilizer investments, especially with fertilizer being as high as it is today. Uh, I know it's much lower than it was last year at this time, but our above average ton price is still relatively high. So allowing these growers to better understand their variability in the field, uh, where their yields are coming from and how to address fertility moving into 2023 has been a big topic for us here this year. So tell us a little bit about the display here, the newly M. Uh, of course, we have this Mahindra unit here and it's catching a lot of attention. I'm telling you, it's a real catchy uh, rock sore that they have on display here with the Helena wrap on it. Uh, they did a phenomenal job. It has been, a, been an eye catcher for sure, a very good uh, advertising piece for us. Uh, but, you know, what we're gaining out of the efficiencies in the field, getting in the field sooner, being able to run more acres, uh, the Mahindra Rock Store has really brought a lot of capabilities uh, to these locations, you know. With us pushing our whole farm initiative and, and trying to pick up new acres and the acres that we have gained in the last two to three years, uh, the Mahindra Rock Stores, I think, are going to really play a part in us addressing these acres timely. And uh, especially, you know, at the end of the day, having that dual EM in the back uh, and the information that it collects Absolutely. is very valuable to those growers. Very valuable. You know, we see a lot of times that soil texture is a main driving factor to yield. So having the source that we have with the dual EM to be able to accurately collect that data, uh, you know, getting away from the various machine, which was really uh, geared toward a lot of self, -cali you know, human calibration. There was, could be some human error factors, but the dual EM takes a lot of that out of the situation. So it's self-calibrating. Uh, you know, we temper it when we get to the field. Uh, it's, it can collect a lot more data points for us uh, as we are going through the field. So we have the capability to actually collect up to four data points a second if we want to. But the ability just to, to get out there in a timely fashion, get these fields ran, and get these uh, growers their uh, zone soil texture maps. Uh, in a timely manner are very important. 
Well, definitely a lot of questions around the dual EM here at the Commodity Classic. You got you and your toll team, you all have done a phenomenal job answering those questions. Aaron, uh, you're covering a lot of other areas in agri-intelligence as well. Uh, what are some things you're highlighting right now in Ohio? Yeah, so uh, one of the big things, you know, and, you know, Dustin talked about that uh, EC map, and, you know, that I think I'm going to tail onto that, just a fuzz here. And, you know, one of the things we look at, it's a lot of using, how do we use yield data, especially in areas where we have, uh, you know, soil tight, you know, soil restrictions on certain nutrient levels. How do we utilize yield data to do a better job, you know, making them recommendations, make them more accurate to what's representative of the field instead of this flat rate yield goal type thing. Um you know, and that really leads into something that we've been working on pretty hard up in my area. And I'm going to give kudos to the guys in Wisconsin because they've been doing this first. Uh, and we do a lot of extractor. And what, we, what we've been switching to is a program called Marvin the Extractor Site Program. And what that's leading into is giving us an in-season or an all-season approach with our tissue sampling program of how that crop is growing from start to finish and how it's really tying into our nutrient management program. So. We've been simply just setting a point kind of in that average spot of the field and taking four to five soil or tissue tests, excuse me, out of that field and looking at them extractor results all season at strategic times throughout the growing season. And then looking at it at the end of the year after we're done harvesting, analyzing that through the winter and working on nutrient relationships and how is that affecting yield and where are we getting bigger bangs for our buck um, with different nutrients. and. You know, you talk to a lot of high-yielding guys here at Commodity Classic, they're telling you the same sort of thing. With the power of extractor, we're really able to drive that in and grow what those connections are for us. So we're pretty excited about that. We've done that uh, for two growing seasons now, so we're moving into our third season. Uh, I know our sales teams that I work with, they're super excited about the opportunity to be on the farm, uh, look at that extractor information with the grower, and really try to drive yield throughout that growing season and then make them out of season tweaks so we can change maybe it's a starter program or a fall fertility program and really look at this in a broad scheme of things. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff happening in the old agri-intelligence program area, guys. Um, hey, for both of you, first time here at the Commodity Classic, what's your take? What kind of growers are you talking to uh, as you're working the booth? Yeah, so this being my first year here, I, I tell you, I'm very impressed. Uh, a lot of innovative minds here. Uh, you know, everybody here is looking for something new to implement on their farm. And a lot of guys back home kind of get stuck in the same mentality of what grandpa did is what we're going to continue to do. And everybody here seems to be willing to, to try new things, to, to really push the envelope and see what they can really invest in to push the ROI on their acre. And I have been extremely impressed with some of the conversations we've been able to have here. Uh, look forward to many more years of being able to come to the Commodity Classic. Yeah, I'm really going to echo Dustin's comments there, right? So getting that opportunity to be able to talk to these growers, you know, they're asking questions. They're the, these are the guys here that are driving yield. They're driving bushels to town um, and are really trying to get a step ahead of their competition or their neighbors. You know, maybe it's even their friends, but how do we grow that business? And they really want to know what's going to make the difference on their operation. And I've, I think the agri-intelligence conversations that Dustin and I have been able to have, you know, with the team and with their customers that are here has been tremendous because they're the guys that are looking at that data information and how do we really grow that business and how do we do better with information to produce more, possibly even with less. That's awesome, guys. And you're talking to growers from all over the country. Yeah. All over, yes. Uh, you know, I've talked with guys from Pennsylvania all the way to Michigan, uh, to Florida, 
very, very broad spectrum of growers at this uh, at the Commodity Classic. So it's been great. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Um, really good to be able to see and help them. We all got the same challenges, no matter what part of the area we're in, and being able to really bring them differences and you know help pitch new ideas to these guys has been tremendous. Awesome. Guys, I want to thank you again for joining us here today in Orlando on this episode of Field. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Okay, uh, we're back here at FieldLink. Today we've got uh, Gene Warren joining us uh, from Dayton, uh, Washington. Uh, Gene, welcome to FieldLink. Well, thank you, Bill. Hey, it's, it's exciting to have you here joining us here at the Helena uh, FieldLink booth uh, at the Commodity Classic in Orlando. And uh, Gene, you're, you're kind of here for some special reasons, not just the Commodity Classic, but you've been honored. Uh, you've had the highest bin buster yield for wheat this year. That's correct, Bill. We uh, we had the highest dry land yield this year. Excellent. Which is very competitive for winter wheat. We raised soft white wheat in the foothills of the Blue Mountains near Dayton, Washington. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about your farm out in Washington. Well, we're about 5,100 acres, and it's a family farm. I have two brothers that farm with me, and my son just joined us here about seven years ago, and we're in the transition of moving everything over to his leadership. And uh, we're not doing it all at once. I, I mean, not pulling the trigger and sure. saying I quit, but uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, he's got a thousand acres of his own of the total. And so we have, we're making a plan going forward. So I think that's part of, part of the transition process and with his input as well. That's excellent. And uh, tell us a little bit about that yield uh, uh, last year with your uh, your winter wheat yields on dry land. Tell us a little bit. About that. Okay, so uh, at the encouragement of my son Garrett, he knew that we'd had uh, some really good wheat in one area and we do yield map on our combines and we've been doing that for about seven years and we do uh, prescription fertilizer and we use five different zones. So we know where the good stuff is and so we put more fertilizer mm -hmm. and on there and uh, we also use satellite imagery to kind of follow the crop along and we have a hill that overlooks the field so we knew that it was staying green a lot longer and we had had a lot of rain and we uh, variety selection we had a good variety from lima grain called shine okay and uh, uh, so we didn't do a lot extra besides uh, you know the heavier fertility we did not have to spray it for stripe rust because it had resistance. Nice. And uh, we foliar feed with a herbicide application plus a fungicide. And so that's, it wasn't too extensive. So it makes it exciting going forward to know that you, you can actually, you know, break out of your, what you've done before. And this is about 20 bushels higher than what we've normally done. So wow. it was exciting. What was the, what was the final yield this year? Well, the bushels was 166 on on wow. this uh, particular field, and they put everybody's uh, moisture at 12%, so it's even clear across the country. Wow, wow, that's exciting news. So, so uh, here in Orlando, uh, tell tell us about your experience at the Commodity Classic this week. Well, this is my first time coming here. Uh, I'm enjoying it. There's a lot of diverse things around here. It's uh, 
strictly cropping systems. Uh, we've been to other shows and there's a lot of livestock stuff, but sure. this time it's more specialized to us and everybody is so nice. I brought my wife and uh, some people don't always bring their wives so they don't like it as, as much and she's really enjoyed it Good. in uh, getting around and seeing the different vendors and uh, finding little toys for her, our grandson and so <laughs> forth. So, I mean, just... There's something for everybody, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Something for everybody here, whether you're, you know, farming wheat in uh, in the West, like you are, uh, to corn, uh, or even soybeans, and uh, whether you're in Arkansas or, or Florida, uh, there's something a little bit here for everyone, for sure. Well, uh, we really appreciate Gene uh, stopping in here and, and, and being a Helena customer. We appreciate uh, your support of our organization and uh, wish you the best for your 23 crop. Well, thank you, Bill. We're looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Okay, joining us here today in FieldLink in the podcast studio here in Orlando is we're very fortunate to have two national FFA officers joining us today, Karsten Cantrell, uh, who is the Central Region Vice President, and McKenna Clifton, who is the South Southern Region Vice President. Ladies, welcome to FieldLink. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to have you here today. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about home, Carson. Let's start with you, Central Region Vice President. Where's home for you? Yeah, I'm from the great state of Oklahoma, a tiny little town called Collinsville. I've spent the entirety of my life on a fourth-generation cow-calf operation in the northeast part of the state. So the agricultural industry is a really big part of my story that led me to the FFA. Awesome. And you uh, have been a student at Oklahoma State, correct? Yes. Go Pokes. I'm in my senior year at Oklahoma State University, though we take a gap year to serve as national officers. So I'll return and have two semesters left majoring in agricultural communications with a minor in legal studies. Awesome. Excellent. And, and tell us a little bit about you, Kenneth. Yeah, so I'm some, from Salisbury, North Carolina. It's about an hour north of Charlotte. So if you're familiar with that airport, I'm sure a lot of people fly yeah. in and out of there. Um, I did not grow up with an agricultural background. Okay. So I was actually a transfer student to my high school. I uh, just walked in the doors, was honestly pretty overwhelmed with how everyone was wearing boots and there were tools on the table. But for some reason, I was very lucky and privileged to find a home within that community. So fell in love with agriculture. And now I'm at North Carolina State University studying agricultural education with minors in agribusiness and Spanish. Awesome. Well, so, so ladies, you were elected last, what, October, November. Uh, so you're, you're kind of just getting into your, your year of service as a national officer. Tell us some of the highlights that you've all experienced up to this point. The FFA has completely changed my life. Um, I have been in FFA since I was in middle school, and I've had the awesome opportunity just to work through the program, figuring out where I found my passion, whether that was with livestock exhibition, prepared public speaking, um, and individually the agricultural communication CDE, which is a contest that I fell in love with, and ultimately is where I found that career path of wanting to major in that in college. But. FFA is structured on local, state, and national levels, so I worked my way through serving as a chapter officer and a state officer, and then ultimately now as a national FFA officer. Excellent. How about you, McKenna? Yeah, so specifically for national office, we have this wonderful opportunity, being only six of the elected people to serve the national organization this year. We get to travel through all 50 states and two territories, being the Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So specifically a highlight for this year, we got to celebrate National FFA Week, which is something that we are just yeah. waiting for all year. Everyone gets so excited. We have theme days. We have different ways to celebrate. So specifically, I got to travel around Indiana and Michigan, and that was truly a highlight, being able to hear students' stories and what brought them into agriculture, but even more so why they want to stay in agriculture, so why they're passionate about it and are excited to pour back into this career path. That's excellent. So for some of our listeners that are not familiar with FFA, 
give us an idea roughly, you know, how many students are involved in the organization today? The FFA has grown exponentially, so we're an agricultural organization with at, at our traditional roots, but we continue to have students who are finding ways to find their place within the FFA and those leadership avenues and a place for FFA to find a home for all. And we currently have 850,823 students across wow. all 50 states, um, the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Excellent. So, um, ladies, you've been traveling around to a lot of states. Um, I, I'm assuming uh, attending a lot of business and industry tours. Um, uh, what are some of the unique industries and businesses that you've had to, the opportunity to experience over the last several months? Right, so we're actually at the beginning of our business and industry tour. So um, we have very limited experiences in that right now. Our time in that will kick up as we begin, but we're excited to experience all forums and different venues within agriculture because we know it's so diverse. I mean, we hear about the multitude of careers within agriculture, so we're excited to just go out there and mostly thank the people that continue to support FFA wholeheartedly because it's changing the lives of students for the better. It's enabling them to find a career pathway that's going to make our um, communities more knowledgeable, it's going to make them more skilled, and we're just excited to be a part of that. Excellent. So this is this your first time for both of you to Florida, uh, to, to Orlando? So um, being that I'm from North Carolina, Florida has been pretty close. So yeah. it's not my first time to Florida, but it is my first time at the Commodity Classics. So super excited to be here. Okay. And Carson, first time to Florida or Orlando? Same as Kenna. I've grown up coming to Florida, especially Orlando with Disney World. Sure. But first time at Commodity Classic. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Commodity Classic. This is, is this your first time for both of you? Yes. Uh, what, what's your take on the Commodity Classic You're, as you step into these doors of this great big trade show? Right. I mean, you see so many people coming from different backgrounds all joining together on the central theme of agriculture, and that's something that's very near and dear to our hearts. So being able to see all these people underneath the same roof um, combined for the same passion. It's just something that's very inspiring. I mean, I know we've had the opportunity to walk around to a multitude of booths just getting to know people and hear their stories, and we feel very privileged. I mean, even this morning we had the opportunity to listen to Secretary Vilsack um, for the Secretary of Agriculture, which is just an experience that's not afforded to everyone, so we're very fortunate and privileged to be here. This is also a unique opportunity for us as FFA members. You know, we are 850,000 strong, and FFA wants to provide that next generation of leaders, and we want to create that talent pipeline. So getting to interact with individuals and partners who want to um, see that pipeline of talent created, you know, it's our honor and privilege to be here and get to interact and have those conversations, and we can spread that news to FFA members that will hopefully find their avenue and find their um, continued career paths within companies and organizations like we found here. Well, awesome, ladies. It's excellent to have you here uh, joining us at the Helena booth here at uh, the Commodity Classic here in Orlando, Florida. Uh, hopefully you get the opportunity to meet lots of different organizations and companies and really kind of set uh, set the tone for your own career, but also those other 850,000 members from across the United States. Thanks. Ladies, thanks for joining us today here at FieldLink. Thank, Thank you, you. Good. And we're at the Field Link Podcast here in Orlando, Florida, coming from the Helena booth. And joining us uh, next is Lucas Miller. Lucas uh, is from Randolph, Nebraska. Lucas, welcome to the Field Link Podcast. Thank you very much, Bill. Hey, it's excellent to have you here. You know, here in Orlando, uh, tell us a little bit why you're here. Why are you at the Commodity Classic this year? Uh, my main reason for being here is I'm with the Nebraska Soybean Association. We do a lot of our policy meetings and things like that down here at the Commodity Classic every year. So we had some state caucuses that started on Wednesday evening, and tomorrow we'll have our big 
American Soybean Association policy review, and we'll go over all of our resolutions. And then the Commodity Classic is just a, a great place to go to see new products and all the interesting companies and everything like that that are down here. There's just worlds of knowledge. Awesome. So tell us a little bit. What I know it might be a little bit early, but what are some of the hot topics right now that you guys are addressing? Uh, the major things that we're addressing is it's a farm bill year. Uh, we want a new farm bill written, so we're going to push really hard for that at the national level. Um, you know, crop insurance is a major one. Uh, keeping direct payments at where they are at a minimum, if not trying to raise those levels just a little bit to have better reference prices sure. on some of those ARC and PLC things. But the, the major one's going to be the, the crop insurance. And then after that, always EPA is a major concern. Yep. Trying to keep all of our crop protection you know, practices and things like that, all, all of our tools that we have, we, we want to keep available. So that's one of the Nebraska Soybean Association and the American Soybean Association's big big hits is working with the EPA as much yeah. as possible. Yeah, definitely, and we, uh, we really appreciate that. We need that from the grower level, you know, to help us through the entire chain uh, in order to keep some of those products that are vital to produce, you know, the bushels and the yields that we need uh, to feed, you know, our glowing global population. Uh, Lucas, tell us a little bit about your farm back in, in Randolph. Uh, yeah, farm about 800 acres myself. Uh, our family operation consists of my dad, my brother, and uh, one other farming partner. Uh, we go over a little over 4,000 acres between all of us. We okay. share equipment, we share you know, labor, sure. get over everything. We, we custom harvest just a little bit of uh, ground too. And so corn, corn and soybean rotation, I'm assuming? Corn and soybean rotation. You know, Every yep. now and then we like to make the neighbors talk, throw some oats or something crazy like that in there. But yeah, it's, uh, corn and soybeans is our, our main cash crops. We do a few cattle and, and some custom finishing hogs as well. Awesome. And you talked to me a little earlier about uh, you've used Zypro, for example, the last couple of years. Tell us a little bit of that experience. Yeah, probably four years ago. Uh, was our, our first experience. Our, our local Helena and Osmond came to us, and that's where we get our starter fertilizer through. And they said, hey, you know, we'd like you guys to try this. We, we tried it on several acres. It worked out pretty good. Uh, we ran another trial the next year. We used it on a majority of our corn acres okay. the, the second year. And where we had the trials, it, it still paid. And so for the two years since then, we've been putting it in on all of our corn acres. We've had really good luck with it. Awesome. Well, great. Well, we appreciate that. And we appreciate all your business, uh, obviously, at Helena. But we also want to thank you for being active in the Nebraska Soybean Association. Uh, those kinds of memberships and that commitment to that time uh, from the grower level is really important for our entire industry. I, I appreciate that. And I'd just like to encourage everybody that if you don't want to be involved, that's all right. But please be a member. Uh, the Nebraska Soybean Association, and then you know, the same with the Nebraska Corn Growers, those are member-driven associations. We have checkoffs that are great for research, but they cannot do any policy work. They can't work with the EPA. They can't work in Washington. Like that's what our our policy organization and our member organizations are for. So Absolutely. please belong to the organization. Look us up. And, you know, we'd love to have all the members who can. We need all the growers possible. And if you're not from Nebraska, find your local state or wherever <clears> you're <throat> from. Join those associations and get engaged. Yep, ASA.org would be the place to go, and they will get you to the right state. Lucas, thanks for joining us today here on Field Lake. Thank you very much. And we're back uh, at Fieldlink here in Orlando at the Commodity Classic. Uh, 
Uh, joining us today is the Director of Human Resources for Helena, uh, Sherry Scardino. Sherry, welcome to Fieldlink. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's awesome to have you here today in Orlando. Uh, there's a lot going on here at the trade show floor. Uh, this is for your first time at the Commodity Classic. It sure is, and it's been a phenomenal experience. Uh, you know, Sherry, uh, coming to this kind of event, uh, you know, uh, being a first-timer, what are some of your observations from what you've seen to this point? It has really been a refreshing experience. Um, when you're when you're working in the industry like we are and and thinking about the future of the industry, what the impression I will leave with is the number of young people and young families I have seen engaged in the agricultural business. And that really gives me a great, fresh perspective and really a, a, a good hope for our future um, because we need those families being engaged in ag. It is the backbone yeah. of, our, of, our, of our country, I believe, and, and certainly for the world, we need that to feed the people of the world. I couldn't agree more. You know, coming to the Commodity Classics, you know, for the most part, growers are very engaged. These are some of the best growers in the U.S. Uh, that are growing corn, soybean, wheat, and so forth. But you know, they're bringing their families. Of course, Orlando's a pretty popular place for families this time of year, uh, but but we've we've talked to a lot of young people here as well, but just just growers in general that, uh, you know, they may have a son or a daughter or a nephew or neighbor uh, that, you know, there's not a fit on the farm for them, and maybe there's an opportunity with companies like Helena. Absolutely, and as the, as the parent of a college student, um, I'm, I follow the Texas A&M Aggie Parent page, and I'm really amazed at the number of parents that are engaged in helping their children find jobs. So that was part of our motivation for, for being here today. Um, again, I was expecting to see people probably closer to my age, uh, and I've been really pleased at the number of young people and young families coming through because we want to access those people and start introducing ag as a career to young people. Right. as well as those that are ready to go to work right now today. So we're, we've been engaging with all levels of, of people. Yeah. I've talked to teachers while I've been here that are uh, looking forward to trying to go in back and helping us all create this atmosphere. That you know We have really good jobs in ag yeah. that, that provide a great future uh, for families and provide a really good living. And, and we're really pleased to be here and, and be working at that and, and getting our name out there so people can go find um, our jobs out on, on social media. We're working on increasing sure. our social media presence. 67% um, of job applicants today find out about job openings from social media. Right. Yeah. So we're really trying to push. I, I, I'm not a marketing person. I'm the HR person. But there, sure. there is an element going. to marketing in yeah. HR and pushing our brand of people, products, and knowledge with people being first it is really important. We, we, in this market, we've got to be out there leading that and letting people know we are here. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, you know, attaching, you know, the human resource department that, hey, we have jobs. We have opportunities at this organization. And clearly at this booth, uh, we're right in the center of it all uh, and featuring, you know, Helena, we have an opening. Uh, tell us a little about some of the career opportunities currently at Helena, Sherry. So we always have openings across the entire United States. You know, we're in, you know very well, Bill, we're in 42 states and about 450 locations. Today, I have probably over 400 um, positions, or I would say 400, we call them jobs, posted, right. that attribute to over 600 positions open. Wow. Um, so anywhere from a general laborer 
to an applicator, to a truck driver. Uh, we have a, a technical development manager available in our uh, Helena Products Group out, at, out on the campus at the Agri Center in Memphis. Uh, so I think we, I'm trying to remember if one of our director jobs is that, well, actually the general manager for HPG for is open right yeah. now. Yeah. We're in the middle of filling that job sure. right now. So, um, but, but, but to your point, agri-intelligence, sales, it's a wide range. Accountants, I'm sure, and IT specialists, it's not just operations. It's it's a wide range at Helena. Absolutely. We, we generally always have some IT jobs open. Sure. Uh, our agri-intelligence, uh, here we've shown some great products and great opportunities to farm, farmers and our customers, how we can help them increase their yield and and produce a better result on their farm. And our agri-intelligence folks are, are, the, are primarily you know, the young people coming out of school with all this incredible technology. I was lucky enough to grow up going to my grandparents' farm. And I used to drive a tractor, and I tell people all the time, this is not my granddaddy's tractor. Uh, these rigs that we've seen out here are, look like uh, airplane control oh, yeah. towers and stuff. Yeah. So the, the people going into that industry it's not just digging dirt. There's a lot of science and a lot of technology about what we're doing in the agricultural industry today. And we're gonna to have to do that and continue to increase uh, the technical knowledge of the people on the farm in order to continue to feed the world. There's less farmland, so we, what does that mean? That means you gotta increase the yield. That's right. Um, because we still have a lot of people to feed in this world. Well, and it's great to have you here, Sherry. Uh, definitely a great opportunity to engage with you know, folks from across the industry, customers, growers, uh, young people. I know we've talked to some college students. Uh, I've just had the National FFA uh, uh, officers here at the Fielding Podcast. A lot of young people, but you know, a lot of folks that are definitely engaged with the organization and they can be shepherds to, to share the word that Helena uh, definitely has a, a home for that. Well, and, our, and, and you know, our culture here is what makes us different. And I was talking to some teachers yesterday that came up from New Jersey, and uh, they're, they're leading some efforts to try to incorporate ag more into the into the curriculum in, in science and such. And and we were talking to them about our culture, sure. and they said, we can feel that in this booth right here because your people are so nice. And they're not going to buy any product from us. Right. But we definitely want to engage with them, and we, we want to help them do everything they can to continue to promote ag as a career. Wow. Sherry Scardino, thanks so much. Uh, folks can learn more about careers at uh, HelenaAgra.com at the careers page, right? That's correct. HelenaAgra.com right. backslash careers. Awesome. Thanks again, Sherry, for joining us here at FieldLink and here in Orlando at the Commodity Classic. Thanks, Bill. And we're back at the FieldLink podcast studio here at the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Really excited to have four college students joining us here in the studio today. Uh, members of the Ag Future of America, AFA, uh, stepping in here and uh, learning a little bit more about uh, some of the things that are taking place here at the Commodity Classic. Uh, Macy, Macy Miller. Uh, Macy, tell us a little bit about you joining us here. 
Yeah, happy to. So uh, my name is Macy Miller and I'm a junior studying agricultural communications and pre-law at Texas Tech University. Um, I decided to come to the Commodity Classic because I am an undergraduate research assistant, um, really looking at sustainability policy, but seeing how technological advancements are helping progress in that uh, realm. Awesome. Well, great to have you here. And, and Nick, Nick Fisher from Iowa State. Yep. My name is Nick Fisher. I'm a junior at Iowa State University studying agricultural studies. Um, and I wanted to come to the Commodity Classic just because uh, you see all these people, you see all the innovation. Um, it's a great place to reconnect with uh, people from the industry and friends you haven't seen in a while and just see all the cool thing that's happening uh, in our industry. Awesome. And Austin, Austin Miller joining us also from Iowa State. Yep, my name is Austin Miller. I'm from Iowa State, senior majoring in Ag Systems Technology. I came down here with Iowa Corn. Basically, I wanted to get an idea of what actually goes on from the grassroots level all the way up to the national corn growers level and see really how all that policy works and see the effects that go on here at Commodity Classic. That's great, Austin. And, and finally, Lydia. Lydia Johnson joining us also from Iowa State. Yes, thanks, Bill. Um, I'm a junior studying agricultural communications and journalism and environmental studies and really excited to be here and the programming with AFA really exposed us to a little bit of everything in the technology realm and with my major in communications it's cool to see all the things I get to talk about every day That's uh, right. kind of that specialized area to really really learn about it and, and you're currently interning I believe with AgriPulse in yes. Washington AgriPulse communications in Washington DC so tell, tell us tell our listeners a little bit about AgriPulse yeah so we kind of do balanced reporting um, everything ag food energy policy so uh, cover everything on Capitol Hill that's happening and impacts um, about 80% of our viewers listeners, readers, um, aren't in Washington. So we're really connecting with those farmers, those grassroots people, and then we also have a West Branch. So cover everything, California, um, Oregon, Washington, and it's been a great experience. You know, we have a wonderful team, awesome. wonderful information, and kind of just to see the process they do and get to be part of that news cycle. So uh, guys, is this your first time at the Commodity Classic? Yes. I've seen a lot of heads nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, so, yes. <laughs> so so what, what's your take on the Commodity Classic? What are some highlights that uh, you can take home back to you, whether it's in Texas or Iowa right now? Yeah, I think uh, really what I can take back is um, a lot of the networking with the companies around here. I'm still in college, so uh, meeting a lot of the industry people, um, seeing all the new products that they're coming out with. Um, and really just the equipment and how it's how you kind of see it start here and then make their way to the fields. Awesome. And how about you, Austin? Uh, I really like to see, I've liked seeing all the new deals dealing with ethanol. It's becoming a huge thing down here. Mm -hmm. Everything from machinery manufacturers are starting to step in like deer and then just new RFA and all those organizations really focusing on that policy. And then just really seeing new companies come in with microbials. There's a lot of people getting into that like your guys' company, and it's just really cool to see all this stuff innovating and changing ag like we know it. It's really evolving. A lot of microbial, a lot of the biologicals overall across here, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. You bet. Um, and tell us a little bit about uh, some of the sessions that may, maybe you've set in on. Uh, what are some highlights from there, Macy? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So we kind of got started off yesterday. So on Thursday, um, we had a kickoff speaker and he really talked about the advancements technologically in the industry. Um, personally, I really enjoyed when we had our panel. So we had representatives from different companies come um, and they just kind of talked to us on different like aspects they see, um, you know, 
advancing technologically. So I would say my favorite thing is just really getting to network with industry professionals, but also having that panel to see how each uh, company or corporation, if you will, is kind of viewing um, these advancements, but also as a sustainability enthusiast, um, that realm as well. So I think it's really interesting to see how they're each kind of taking on sustainable agriculture, but also um, their advancements that they're making individually as well. I think that's really exciting to talk about that, Lisa. You know, the buzzword sustainability. Uh, it, it, it is a big word, an important word. Was still, uh, it's still kind of gray for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we've really tried to address here today, uh, or this week rather, at the Quantity Classic in our booth at Helena is uh, addressing sustainability. We were, we like to position ourselves as we were sustainable before sustainable was a word in a lot of ways. Uh, we've got a lot of products that are in our portfolio that, you know, just doing the right thing uh, is important. And, and we're excited to launch two products this week. Um, both a biological as well as a water resource product that are very sustainable uh, because irrigation water is limited as you know and 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 that's a very runs really deep in our organization to have those kind of products and those kind of commitments so that's really exciting to hear about that sustainability uh, Lydia what are some other things that you picked up on uh, while your time here at the money class kind of piggybacking off of what you said I think one of the themes I keep seeing is that um, technology is kind of the driver for sustainability we're not able to be sustainable until we have that data to start with so kind of seeing all the ways that this technology allows us to collect that and then once we have it to implement these sustainable practices and you know apply chemicals and then see everything from a bigger picture so I think that's been really interesting to see the intersection of all those areas it's all coming together you know it's gonna it's gonna still a journey but uh, I think everybody's stacking ends and let's do the right thing in a lot of cases so guys I'll tell you it's really exciting to have all of you young folks join us here uh, today at the field link podcast as well as commodity classic here in Orlando Florida got big plans for the rest of the week the rest of classic. <laughs> Enjoy the Florida weather as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good to sneak away a little bit from uh, from. I'm understanding you guys are getting some snow back in Ames right now. So. Yes, sir. We got a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us here on the Field Link Podcast, and best wishes for the rest of the convention. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thank thanks, you. Bill. Thanks. And we're back at the Fieldlink Podcast. Uh, joining us in the studio right now is Pam Mayo. Uh, Pam, welcome to Fieldlink. Hey, everyone. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, Pam. Uh, you know, want to talk a little bit about uh, you, you're from Florida. I am and born and raised. Born and raised yeah. in Florida, and obviously we're at the Classic here in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> That's um, right. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, certainly this week we focused pretty heavily on corn and soybeans and wheat because, you know, and sorghum, that's what this convention's about. But uh, tell us a little bit about some of the, the happenings right now in Florida as far as some of the agriculture crops uh, that you're working with right now. Yeah, definitely on this expo year we're seeing a lot of corn and wheat and soybean growers, which are such important staple crops. In Florida, we got a, we're a little different. We got a mix. We have a lot of niche specialty markets, um, heavy in vegetables and berries, citrus as well, which I know a lot of people are known to know Florida natural orange juice or Florida-based orange juice. Um, but our market is just, it's booming right now. We're in that springtime, that season where we have berries that are actually starting to slow down as far as our strawberries. Um, they hit peak around that Valentine's Day strawberry festival, which is coming to a close as we speak. And those growers are getting ready to start double cropping. So right behind those strawberries, are gonna be planting cantaloupe and eggplant and peppers. 
Um, in the meantime, that's kind of going on in Central Florida. We also have in North Florida, um, on the East Coast, we have potatoes yeah. that are coming up, popping up out of the ground, or have already kind of gotten that established, getting ready to be chippers. Um, down south, we have a veggie market that's just booming from bell peppers to tomatoes, you name it, we have it. Um, and then all the way down to Homestead, don't want to forget that South Florida group as well, where we have avocados and a lot of the tropical fruits that are, that are going. So Florida always has something going and showing, ready to show, but uh, definitely a busy time of year for us. Well, and it's exciting to have you here and have this perspective, you know, uh, uh, certainly, you know, at Helena, we cover a lot more than just the corn and beans like we are at this conference. But That's right. um, we've got a lot of products that we've talked about, precision agriculture with agrointelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've seen a few growers from Florida step through, and I know I it's going to pick up tomorrow. Yeah, I'm so excited to see our Florida growers. I hope they definitely come out and stop by the Helena booth to see us. Um, I know they are in that busy time, so if they get the second to step away, I get excited because um, we are definitely going out and seeing them right now. But it's really good to see a Florida turn out. Yeah, it's, and, and like you say, it's go time in yes. Florida for those folks. They're, they're right. really rocking and rolling. And as you mentioned, strawberry season is really uh, cranking and yeah. uh, things are happening there. Um, what are some of the hot topics right now in the state of Florida as it relates to you know production agriculture? Um, that's a really good question. Um, we have, you know, each crop definitely has its hot topic from the citrus industry where we have some new things um, that growers are facing with oxytetracycline, looking at possible things that could help mitigate HLB to um, other growers that we're dealing with different, you know, inclement weather, heat stress or cold stress. So. Um, we have products that obviously help and focus with that um, on that panel of things. And um, another one is Humix, talking about fertilizer efficiency tools. Um, super important to have that fulvic and that humic, that organic matter added back to our soil, especially because we're sandy, as right. everybody knows. Yeah. They come for the beaches, but we've got sand everywhere. Yeah, sand growing everywhere, and uh, products like Resurge and, uh, That's right. uh, you know, are really helpful for, for those Florida producers. Oh, excellent. Um, Resurge, I like to look at it as a and, you know, something that you're helping protect your investment. Fertilizer prices, we all know we're not shy about. They're up there, and they, they have definitely trended and fluctuated over the past couple of years. Um, so research is that product that it's a humic granule that as it breaks down, the fulvic is released up to the plant. The humic stays in the ground. You're adding back that organic matter, and you're making sure that whatever you're putting out with it, especially that fertilizer, you're actually getting a benefit from it. And you need that organic matter to make to make an impact and help with efficiency. So, yeah, Research is an excellent product for that. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. And something, you know, all Florida growers and really all growers across the U.S. could certainly look to their Helena representative for more information on uh, as they plan their fertility program. That's right. Well, Pam, I want to thank you for sharing a little uh, a light on Florida here in the yeah. sunny Florida. Welcome to Florida. You bet. And uh, what's your take on the Commodity Classic? Your first time, correct? Oh, it is my first time. I'm so excited, and honestly, this, uh, this show is excellent. There's so many um, amazing people out here. The Helena booth has been uh, live and, and really focused on people and bringing everybody in and expanding on knowledge. So I absolutely love to see that. And um, overall, just it's, it's a great turnout. It's a great turnout. A lot of things to learn. Awesome. Pam Mayo, uh, Helena Products Manager from Florida, thanks for joining us here today on FieldLink. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this special edition of the Commodity Classic Best Of series from Orlando, Florida. Be sure to follow us for all of the FieldLink podcasts by downloading 
the Fieldlink Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcast series.